footnotes. It has been a hiatus as I have relocated to the wonderful city of Atlanta, Georgia, and I am finally feeling settled enough to actually record a podcast, which I have greatly missed doing. <laughs> um, and as a little disclaimer, if you can hear crazy sounds, it's my upstairs neighbors who, for some reason, just make more noise than I can personally fathom. Um, so yeah, ignore that. <laughs> and today I am lucky enough to have a good friend and visitor from out of town um, so that we could talk about, this is an astrology girlies episode. Um, really excited to get into kind of what it's all about and tell you guys a little bit more than just knowing what your sun sign is because most people only know that and if you don't even know what that means then you're in for a treat so I'm happy to welcome Danielle hello hello it's good to talk to you all today um so tell us a little bit about yourself and how your life path has led you to an interest in astrology. Yeah, um, so I think one of the earliest memories of I have of astrology was um, in my grandparents' house. They had like a random, I think it was a Toys R Us calendar, and each month had like a sign on it with like a little baby dressed in like maybe colors associated with it or something. And as a kid, I felt fascinated by that, and I always remembered okay my birthday is in April so I'm the Aries one that's stuck in my head and then I just kind of keep an eye out for different things and then when I was maybe like nine I found a little tiny basic astrology book that talked only about Aries stuff and it was red which is like a stereotypical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have one of those yeah <laughs> Aries red color thing and I loved I have loved the color red like my whole life so um yeah I just started slowly piecing things together as a kid but I never really dove into more of the intricacies of it until my adult life. Yeah, I, growing up, I also knew I was an Aries. My mom was, and my grandma were both into it, but not enough that they were, like, always talking about it. Like, my grandma, my mom had my birth chart made when I was born. Like, at that time, like, they went to an astrologer and had it made and stuff like that. Um, but I would, I feel like my personal, like, exposure to it was in like magazines like j14 when they would have it in the back yeah. and it would just have like for the month i think it was for the month because they would print them every month instead of every week right yeah i think monthly yeah. magazines like 17 and stuff like that or right am. yeah yeah <laughs> which again of course at the time as i was just talking about the intro which we'll get into in a minute here it's i only knew my sun sign which is aries yeah so i would just look at that and i always resonated with me mm -hmm. and i've always been like a pretty open-minded person so I was like oh this is pretty cool like this makes sense to me um but also RIP Toys R Us yeah and I'm like am I I'm like am I making that up but I really think it was a Toys R Us calendar and this would have been in like the early 90s yeah um and it was definitely very playful and basic all it said was like Aries March 21st April 19th or whatever right you know? right um and that was it didn't say anything about what it meant 
Um, but yeah, and then I have noticed that we Aries women tend to stick together. I don't want to stereotype by sun sign, but I just, most Aries women I meet, I immediately get along with them. And they also say they have a lot of Aries women friends too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hit you with the hard question now, but Mm -hmm. say where you're a listener Mm -hmm. and you don't really know anything about astrology or what we're Mm -hmm. even talking about kind of outside of maybe seeing it in a magazine and just knowing how would you like kind of 101 astrology mm-hmm. to people? Like, what would you tell them are the important things to know mm-hmm. for the concept as a whole? Yeah. So your sun sign is what you would see like in the horoscopes in your news, local newspaper. Right. And you just know that by the day that you were born. Um, and that represents, and, and that kind of represents like maybe an overall sense of your personality. Um, but then there's all these other little nuances that are not covered by that. And so sometimes people will be like, you can't explain somebody how they are by just like, cause there's, there are 12 different sun signs. So obviously there's not only 12 different kinds of personalities. Um, so that's where it becomes more complicated and we get into, okay, what sign was the moon in? when you were born. And that will only last a few days before the moon switches into another sign. So each planet has a different period of time that it stays in a sign. And that kind of influences, you know, and makes everybody's chart a little bit more unique, right? So even somebody who's born on the same day, same year, same time, um, can still have these differences based on like where they were born, and how the angles um, all work out. It's kind of like this big circle, right? And then there's all these angles in it. I'm not very good at explaining that part because I'm still really learning mm-hmm. more of that myself. But the chart, the circles and the angles basically represent where were the planets in the sky at the moment you were born and how do they relate to each other? Are they opposite of each other? Are they next to each other? Are they in a, you know, are, is there some sort of shape like a square between certain planets? Mm-hmm. And that will influence how you are. Right. And so that is where people ask what your big three are, which yes. is the sun sign that we talked about. And then your moon and your rising sign, mm-hmm. which the, the moon represents like your inner world emotions, yes. things like that. And then your rising sign is. That's based on um, the time that you were born at. Um, and it's. It's weird. I feel like I, it's like I understand it, but when I try to word where, what it means um, exactly, I usually flub it. But basically, it, it, you have to have the time that you were born to understand your rising sign. And then your rising sign determines, um, you know, where, where, which houses the signs are at. And the houses are basically like your, it, going back to that circle, right? Your birth chart, it's divided into 12 sections. Mm-hmm. And each house represents a different thing. Your rising is part of your identity and how people see you. Um, going all the way down to the number 12, the 12th house might be karmic things. Some, If you believe in past lives, like maybe lessons transferring over across lives, things like unfinished business, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. that can be considered like a, a house filled with more tension. So then people get scared and they're like, oh, well, you know, I I have some stuff in the 12th house. So that means I'm going to have a really hard life. But that's not necessarily how it works. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think something to keep in mind too is that there it's ironically your whole life isn't written in the stars and that you mm-hmm. still are like a person with experiences and choices to make. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of the same with tarot. Mm-hmm. Like people, I think a big misconception is like when you get a reading, this is what's going to happen. And it's like the be all end all, you know, nothing can swerve this path of happening yeah whereas it's really more of like if you keep doing everything exactly as you're doing it right now this Mm -hmm. is a possible outcome of this scenario in your life yeah but you still have like choice you know like you still can choose you still can make decisions and that's going to affect how your life path changes Mm -hmm. and so you know having like a visual representation of that can be helpful for some people other people just don't like resonate it doesn't resonate with them but Mm -hmm. i think that that's like also fine right like you find what works for you Mm -hmm. so like for me i'm a very visual person so having like a visual representation of like what i'm doing or maybe bringing things to my attention is just helpful to me Mm -hmm. personally so off on a little tangent there but so those are the main three and then you talked about the different houses too, Mm -hmm. which also play a part, right? Because each house out of the 12 represents the different areas of your life like you were talking about. And the different planets have the placements in the different houses. So it's like... And then different planets mean different things. And so it's like, I find it fun to be like, okay, so somebody has, um, like Neptune was in Pisces when they were born and their rising makes it so that it's Neptune, Pisces, third house. So then you combine the elements of what does Pisces represent? What does Neptune represent? What does the third house represent? Right. And you can look at all of that and create like a really interesting story or like theories. And then you can expand more to be like, okay, this Neptune and Pisces is squaring with, um, you know, Venus, right. Which is kind of a planet that's like around love and relationships, different things like that. So then it's like that has that carries implications about how to Venus squaring Neptune is tension. What's the tension between your romantic life and maybe Neptune, which is, you know, um, kind of a more generational planet. By that, we mean it takes longer to revolve around the sun. So you're going to have the same, you know, if you have Pisces and Neptune, right? Neptune, Pisces, you're going to have the same one as like a lot of your peers that are born in the couple of years around you. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, you can see how it gets complicated very quickly. There are still things every, if if I read about astrology every day, I would read something I've never heard of or thought of before. Yeah. There's a lot into it. And that's why I think it's funny too. when people are like, well, well I'm a Leo, but none of those things make sense to me. So it's crap. And I'm like, okay, well, There's a lot more under the surface here that we're not talking about or acknowledging existing. I have heard a few Leos say that actually specifically because Leo has such a um, reputation for being like attention seeking, which has stigma sometimes to it or like really outgoing and fiery. And uh, yeah, it is a fire element sign. But again, all the intricacies of the chart, you can kind of look sometimes and be like, oh, yeah, like that would be a much quieter Leo, one that maybe always mm-hmm. isn't always seeking attention. Right. Um, so. Well, and I know Aries um, that aren't as like, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it than fiery. You know, you don't have to be like me or you mm-hmm. or we're like 
a bit more like extroverted mm-hmm. like in the sense of especially like socially or like leading things or even mm-hmm. just doing things by ourselves or like doing it because we want to do it and getting it done you know Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, if you look at memes on the internet about Aries, like we're all just like hot headed fitness instructors who can never stop talking. And we have a million friends. And um, we also like to act and do theater, right? And everybody's favorite color is red. Um, So like, and it's just so funny because then people are like, wow, uh, I don't want to be associated with this group. I I don't like astrology anymore if they're in Aries and they don't maybe relate to some of that. Um, And so that that is definitely very interesting. I, I like, I jokingly refer to myself as the Wednesday Adams of Aries because I do have like kind of the, the like fiery airy stuff, but then I also have like all the Scorpio and Capricorn in my chart that like are considered like the, the more like, if, again, in those stereotypical memes, like the gothy kind of signs, the darker ones. Mm-hmm. Like, so if, if uh, that Aries I described before is like a bright fiery red, I'm more of like a dark crimson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like not, not so bright red. Right. Um, and so I like that. I really like being able to look at the whole spectrum of the person, the individual. And I would never just say like, that's an Aries. So this is what you're like. Right. Yeah. And I, there's a YouTuber I like, her name's Chloe Taylor. She does tarot. And she always says at the end of her readings or at the beginning or both, um, take what resonates and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really true in both tarot and astrology. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what applies to you, you know, and it's kind of like a tool for personal development and like self-awareness that I think is kind of can be underrated. We're in a time now where I think it's always been a thing, obviously, if my parents had a, my mom had a birth chart made when I was born, right, in 95. Um, I'll age myself, but (laughs) um, it's like more relevant now it seems people are just more interested in it and maybe that's because of the internet too you know more resources but what would you say is like um ways that you personally have utilized astrology like in your life yeah that's a really good question um i guess i've used it to kind of make sense of um kind of what's going on in my life, you know, it's sort of, it can be very validating. Mm -hmm. Um, So I live in New Orleans and see this wonderful professional astrologer has been doing for years. Her name's Carolyn Bufkin. And she was like, you know, just kind of asking me about how my time had been in New Orleans so far. And I told her about, you know, a really difficult um, boss I had and, um, you know, landlord and like all the stuff that had been happening that I was getting through. And she's like, so all of this describes perfectly that you're that Pluto is is sitting on top of your moon. And by sitting on top of the moon, she means a conjunction. Like when they when you hear something conjuncts something, they're kind of sitting on top of each other. That doesn't always create problems. But she said, in this case, it sounds like that's really rough for you because Pluto can be like a little bit of a, a darker planet. And um, and then you have your moon sign and Capricorn, which, again, is kind of how we process emotions, do internal things. And um, 
the moon is considered not happy in Capricorn, um, which is its whole thing. But there are certain there are certain signs that go better together with certain planets. And mm. so mine is like considered one of the most uncomfortable moon signs to have. So then when you have that and you have Pluto in Capricorn sitting in your on your moon and, you know, it's, it's just a lot. Um, and so that explained a lot of things to me about how like a lot of my adult life had been fun, but also like just unnecessary drama sometimes, especially from like authority figures um, that other people didn't necessarily seem to be dealing with. And so, um, yeah, it gives me a good perspective. And Pluto actually just went back into Capricorn, which has been interesting. And then it's going to go back into Aquarius for 15 years pretty soon. Mm, the so, generational planet. Yeah. Um, I just, I know we've, we've kind of said it in conversation, but mm -hmm. what, what are your major placements? Yeah. So, um, so besides the Aries sun, I'm a Scorpio rising and a Capricorn moon. Um, also relevant Venus and Gemini and Mars and Aquarius. And for people who know a little bit about astrology, but not a ton, their first response says, oh, so you're terrifying. Like that is like way intense chart. That's kind of terrifying. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am intense and my life has been very intense. So that's correct. But um, all the professional astrologers I talked to are like, no, this is lovely. This is a lovely chart. I don't see anything scary about this at all. So I think that it just really depends on on how you look at it, what your experience is. The interesting thing, too, I will say is that there are degrees too. So like if you think about an angle, like a 90 degree angle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there's lots of these degrees included in the different angles. My rising sits exactly at a zero degree, meaning that I was born at a certain time of day, but I was born right at the beginning of the Scorpio rising of that day. So if I had been born, I checked it. If I had been born five minutes earlier, I would have been a Libra rising instead of a Scorpio rising. Mm. And so Carolyn was like, I don't know if I totally believe, I can't totally determine or believe that you're a Scorpio rising because you could also be a Libra rising if they didn't record it like on the dot, right? Like if you were born and they messed up even a few minutes of like what time you actually <laughs> took your first breath. I strongly feel and other people agree the the Scorpio vibes a lot. Um, mm. I think it's correct, but that is something that's very. That was one of the newest things I just learned about astrology myself. Is that, um, and that's another reason to not dictate your life based on your birth chart, right? Yeah. What if you were born and the doctor just wasn't really paying attention or wrote down the time wrong? And, and you're really one rising, and that completely changes everything, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that this can be used as a great tool, but it also shouldn't be used as your total identity. Either. Right. Mm -hmm. Why? I've always wanted to ask this, because mm -hmm. since I'm also really new to astrology, and I'll talk about my placements in a minute too, is I, because two of my major placements are in Aries. That's just what I know the most about. So mm -hmm. like, I still know of the other signs, but I don't necessarily know just a lot of specifics about the qualities of other placements. Mm -hmm. um, so why do Scorpios get such a bad rap? That's my <laughs> question. Cause that's like what I hear the most shade towards, I think. Yeah. Scorpios. I mean, there's a, they're represented by the scorpion. And so they, they um, get a reputation for being, maybe sneaky, too hypersexual in a way that makes people uncomfortable. Um, 
maybe like over emotional at times and then like really flat and hard to read others. They get it. Like some people say they're really manipulative. Mm. Um, And that hasn't always, that really hasn't always been my experience with, with Scorpios. Um, I think, I mean, they're a water sign, um, which is supposed to be a little bit more emotionally connected. So, um, so I, a lot of the Scorpios I know are really deeply connected to their own emotions and the emotions of other people. And they are considered like kind of the natural investigators, right? So like, like Carolyn would tell me, oh, I would want a therapist with Scorpio in their chart. They really are comfortable with dark things a lot of times. They want to ask questions. They, they're curious. They want to know details that other people might not even think are important. Mm. Um, and so there's that side of it, too. And again, everybody's different. Someone can be a Scorpio sun sign and then have no Scorpio in the rest of their chart. And then they'll be like, I don't even know. I, everything I've read about Scorpio is wrong about me. And right. that would make sense to me. Yeah, that's one of those times. So you yeah. said the major ones are sun, moon, rising, and then Venus, there's Venus and Mars, Mars, and so those are considered the personal planets. So they take less time to revolve around the sun, so they're more personalized to you and the day and the month you were born, versus Pluto, which is the outermost, takes 15 years sometimes to like revolve. So you're going to have the same Pluto sign as like people in that 15-year mark around mm-hmm. you, versus your sun, moon, and rising, Venus, Mars, all of that, that's going to often be different than everybody. Interesting. And, okay. I've never yeah. paid attention to Venus or Mars. What do those, like, represent, though? Like, for, yeah. for how do they contribute to the Yeah, picture? often when people are looking at how, like, they ex- how others express themselves in romantic and sexual relationships, they'll look to Venus and Mars. Mars is kind of about, can be about passion and aggression and how do you assert yourself? So it's not only about your love life, but it is, it does play a major role and, and Venus being how you form relationships. So for example, me being a Venus and Gemini, um, Gemini can be stereotyped as a player, right? Like a little two-faced, a little Mm -hmm. whatever, but, um, a Venus and Gemini could just mean, you know, for me, it means definitely I'm, I'm loyal, but that, that you need to be stimulated in your relationships. You need to be able to have good conversations. You need some playfulness. You can't just like sit there and watch TV and eat snacks quietly all the time. You'll get bored and run away. Mm. Um, so that's that's how I, but it also depends on, again, which house is your Venus and Gemini. And then what does it square off or oppose or conjunct anything else is Venus across the street from some other planet. Right. So that's where you can't oversimplify it. Um, And then, yeah, your Mars sign um, is again, it's just um, Mars can stay in a sign for like, you know, six months or something. Right. So it's like, again, not, not like the most personal planet, but it's, but it is enough, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my sun and rising are in Aries. Mm -hmm. My moon is in Virgo, Mm -hmm. and now I'm seeing my Mars is in Leo in the fifth house, Mm -hmm. and my Venus is in Pisces in the twelfth house. So what would you interpret from Mm -hmm. specifically the Venus in Pisces? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the Leo, yeah, I'll start with the Leo and Mars in fifth house. Fifth house often is about creativity and sometimes romance, sometimes children. And so if you have your Leo Mars fifth house standalone, not looking at anything else, 
you are going to be um, very, um, you're going to be assertive in the way that you do things <laughs> and, and form relationships with people, but often in a way that people really enjoy, like people will find it, it to be warm and like you care about them, um, it, you know, in, in creative ventures, um, you're not going to shy away from the spotlight. You know, you're going to like to show off your creativity in, in clothing and pictures and maybe some type of visual arts or performances. Um, and when you put that next to a, a Venus Pisces, right, that can be very Pisces are a little bit more subdued, but they're dreamy. Lots of fantasy. They can be very romantic, love music, right? Mm -hmm. So you can see how you put those together. And there's like a lot of love and passion and, and a desire for connection and, and weaving art into those relationships, creating with people. Because your Pisces is in the 12th house, and I mentioned 12th house earlier as being one of those more tense houses, it could mean sometimes that there's there's patterns over and over that keep coming up around um, maybe maybe getting hurt because you're so you're you're just so sensitive and dreamy and you get these other people who are kind of like rough around the edges who aren't aren't careful with that or even aware emotionally intelligent enough to mm -hmm. be connected and in tune to that. But the other side of that is that's going to keep those people out at the end of the day, like the the ones that are meant to last and to really connect. Will will get your sensitivity appreciate it and and treat you well for it you know not make you want to push them out because they don't get it you know mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. man i was laughing you guys because if you know then then you know um <laughs> <laughs> but okay that's interesting and i would say those things if someone just said set those two up without me knowing you i would say very similar things huh, yeah interesting okay that's cool that's cool to know um so little things like that, it's, it's interesting to now, you know, I have the actual physical chart, like mm -hmm. the circle with the degrees and everything. And when you start breaking it down, there just are like so many different little puzzle pieces that can be enlightening or helpful mm -hmm. to some that are interested in it. And I guess a question that comes to mind is that if you were to now knowing what you know, meet someone who wanted to get into it, but wasn't sure where to go about, like, what would be your advice for going about that? Yeah, I would just say, and this advice could go for anything in life, just try not to jump to conclusions. So like, if you look up your birth chart, and it has a bunch of interpretations that you either don't agree with, or that feel a little doom and gloom, um, I would say don't, you know, don't get too upset about it because that's just one interpretation and there's different ways to do astrology. There's different ways to look at it. Um, I think there's ways to use it for healing and I think there's ways to use it to deepen your neuroses and make you more scared of life and who you are. Mm. And so, um, so you've got it. It's, it's sort of like anything, right? Like social media, you can use it to help yourself connect and be more creative or, or you can use it to, you know, make yourself really upset. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just being careful about that or like, you know, um, 
Like if somebody told me, um, the cat's here, the cat, the cat wants to contribute. She's part of the podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. The cat, she's great. Charlie's great. Yeah. So what's Charlie's sign? Do we know Charlie's I don't sign? know, honestly, because I don't even know if I got the specific information when yeah. I adopted to her adopted her unfortunately yeah some sometimes it's same funny with peach when people, i don't because they both yeah. came from like not like rescue places but like you know local shelter mm-hmm. so i don't have the specific yeah. information and i tell people too like if they said well i sort of am interested in astrology but people my whole life and the internet have been saying how crappy my sun sign is right like if we go back to scorpio it was really popular to hate it's it's getting better but it was really popular for a long time totally hate on scorpios it's like yeah i feel really bad about astrology like you know people just say i'm mean because i'm a scorpio i don't think i'm that mean like Mm. some some people didn't want to date me because i was scorpio and i would just say to them you know um there is a lot to learn here that could maybe help you heal from that and the people who really work to understand astrology don't use it to hurt other people and they don't make big grandiose assumptions just based on the month you were born Mm -hmm. you know what's a sign that you think is like the most underrated society underrated um let's see well i think it got popular to hate on gemini's for a while too i've seen phases of like virgo scorpio and gemini and cancer just really getting like hated on. And um, I personally get along because I think my Venus, so like my love stuff is in Gemini. It helps me connect to people who are Gemini suns, risings, moons, and um, they get, they get labeled as two faced and players and like underhanded and manipulative. And sure. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, they're, there are some really people I really don't appreciate in the public sector that I will not name who are Gemini's. Um, and then some of my favorite people in my life are Gemini's. Right. Mm. And so you really got to be careful again with the stereotyping. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, Gemini's are playful. They like words. They like maybe not all of them. Right. But, but the ones, the ones I know and love, right. We have a, we have great conversations we get very silly. We like, we're fascinated by weird stuff. We're curious, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, recently something that I've noticed is I've been meeting a lot of Libras. Mm-hmm. And the way I have personally interpreted this mm-hmm. from what I know about them is that ironically I'm in this time of my life where I need like you know being in a new city by myself which I am happy to have done and I'm like doing it you know I need like balance in my life and so that's kind of how I've personally interpreted that and I found that for the most part like I don't know if it's general that Aries get on with Libra as well but I find that I definitely have been like all the Libras that I've met have been it helps me also their perspective on the world at least the people I've met specifically it helps me to like shift my perspective because the way that we've spoken about life or experiences that I've had with whomever like they've been very 
non-forceful eye-opening, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been able to have conversations with these people about the way that they think, and I don't know. Is that, like, I know that there are signs that get along well mm-hmm. together. Oh, I could um, talk about Aries and Libra all day because from the time I was a kid, so my only sibling is a Libra, and then I had all these like best girlfriends that were Libras. And then every single one of my personal like romantic relationships into like my my 20 all throughout my 20s, there's almost all Libras. And it was just became this running joke. Um, and um, so signs like, you know, are, are there's 12 different signs. Aries is considered the first sign. So the first day of the astrological new year is the first day of Aries. Right. And so that's then Libra is in like is six away from Aries. So they're considered opposites. And so interestingly, it's like they're opposite. And then they're also similar um, by virtue of being opposites. I don't know if that makes sense. Like maybe it will to some people, but it's like Aries is about the self and and kind of me first. And Libra is about relationships and trying Mm. to keep the balance and so they both have lessons to learn from each other. They're also both considered cardinal signs. And so they 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 oppose each other, but they also cardinal signs mean you get shit done. You get mm. things done. Um, and you are the ones that would maybe if you have like a lot of Aries and Libra in your chart, you're you're going to find ways to you're going to you're going to be a natural leader sometimes. Some mm. someone that people look to. Um, and then the, the Libras are an air element, just like Gemini's are air element. They have some things in common, right? And um, sometimes, because they're air, they can fan the flames of Aries, for yeah. better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, their indecisiveness, if an Aries is more of a decisive Aries, uh, which often we can be, um, makes Aries crazy. And then the Libras are like, you need to pick your battles. Like, what is going on here? Mm. Uh, Libras get a bad rap for um, avoiding conflict and in avoiding conflict, like lying, like hiding their knees or lying to make everybody happy. And so then like Libras will get a bad reputation for that, for like also like kind of being manipulative in a way. But then Aries get a bad rap for being too confrontational and, and too angry and like, you know, using supposedly using their anger to influence to get what they want right so you can Mm -hmm. talk crap about any sign because we all have qualities we use to our benefit and to our detriment at the end of the day so yeah yeah i love that i have a whole book that is about compatibility of every single sign Mm -hmm. and what i like about it is that it's not just love connections Mm -hmm. each sign has like multiple pages and it talks about like in work mm-hmm. in family it, as is roommates, it a red, big red book it's pink but okay. mm-hmm. but yeah it's really interesting and it's huge you know i think i know what you're talking about. it's cool yeah. because i think generally they will like books like that will just talk about the love aspect but it's cool to see how it transfers to other areas of life too because you're not just gonna you're not gonna always be romantically interested in someone else right mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's nice to know like how do i interact with other signs cool um, so I always go to so when I'm like changing topics, I realize this about myself in podcast recording. Do you think that, or 
do you find that you got interested in tarot and astrology kind of around the same time? Was it like a hand in hand thing or did you come about the tarot interest separately? Yeah, I didn't actually realize that how strongly connected astrology and tarot were for a long time. Um, another grandma would kind of let me pull tarot cards and in a very superficial way, cause I was so young, explain them to me and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't remember who it was. I got my first tech deck of tarot cards when I was 11. So probably around the same time that I was sort of starting to get in astrology more, but the tarot card deck I got is considered so complicated and esoteric and like i i just was happy to have a deck i did not touch that thing forever i was like Mm. so overwhelmed by it and astrology was a lot less overwhelming Mm. um it's a lot of cards to learn yeah i was just like okay cool i'm 11 right and i just (laughs) didn't i was like not like one of those super ambitious like 11 year olds who's going to teach myself all that stuff so I, I taught myself more about tarot in my, in my twenties. Yeah. Um, my, someone in my mom's family, when I was younger, it's actually our family in Canada. She taught me about tarot also about in middle school, Mm -hmm. but she just reads a deck of cards. So she taught me, like she brought out playing cards and literally I actually still had the paper until I think the last time I moved, it got lost in the sauce, but every single meaning of every card. So she would be like Mm -hmm. spades. This is the, what the two means. This is what the ace means. All this, which is the same meanings, but it was just like, it was less like in depth than some of these, you know, decks these days will include a write up about. It was just like, a few things about each card. And I always thought that was super cool that she just like knew how to do that. But then after that, I never really like kept studying it. Mm -hmm. And then I re came across it. I want to say it was probably like on, it was definitely in the time period I lived in St. Pete. I think I was just changing a lot in my life. And I came across like a pick a card on YouTube Mm -hmm. and it just hit really hard. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. And so I started paying more attention and then I was like, this is a really cool tool to use because like I was saying before I don't think every you know reading I've ever gotten ever is like it's all relevant to me but I can definitely like intuitively tell when I'm meant to like hear something Mm -hmm. and I'm the kind of person where I'm always looking for like signs in the universe anyways so like even just little like when I see like a smiley face for my friend who passed away I feel like it's you know a sign from him you know, mm-hmm. because that's such a like specific thing and I don't see them a lot. And it's kind of the same for like anywhere else in my life. Like I'll be like, okay, this symbol means this to me. And then when I see it, even if it's just like a bumper sticker or on a, like a billboard somewhere. And I read a really cool book about that um, as well. And she talked about how you can actually assign like signs. Like you can mm-hmm. be like to the universe, like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is what this, this is what I'm looking for. Or this is what it, I'm going to choose as my symbol and mm-hmm. it'll show up. Um, but what would you say kind of, I know I spoke about it earlier, but is a, in your opinion, a big like misunderstanding or misconception about tarot itself? Um, probably that it's telling your future, you know, um, that it's, and, and that it's telling you exactly what to do. 
Um, and then there's certain cards like death, for example, yeah. you know, people get freaked out when they see that. And, um, and that <laughs> you should really get freaked out when you see the tower. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not death. <laughs> and even then though, like the tower, depending on, it's sort of like in astrology, how it's like, what are all the planets doing? It's like, what are all the cards around it? Right. Like, because you can't like read a single card in isolation in a multiple card reading. And so you have to, they all connect together to tell a story. They're all different plot points, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like death can be, it's kind of funny in that it's true. We're all going to die. Right. So, right. so yes, I guess if it does land in a future position, technically that's true, but that's not what it's usually trying to, to say. It's like, right. it's like, okay, there's going to be something that changes in your life. Sort of when one door closes, another one can open. Right. Um, depending on what else is around it. So yeah, or the tarot is like evil in some way, or it's like, you know, like evil demons talking to you, right? We lots of people are really scared of tarot cards and Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and I don't think it just that, gets a bad rap. Yeah, I don't think it's it has to be that scary. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I think part of the fear element of it comes into play when you get a person who because in my belief what the cards are telling you, you already know, at least subconsciously. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really in-your-face version of things that you already kind of know that you should work on or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's sort of like if you get the Ten of Swords, which is considered a painful card, right? Like maybe something painful is happening or it's suggesting it's about to happen. Maybe you've already been in pain over something that you haven't been looking at, that you've mm-hmm. been avoiding looking at. And seeing that card can be like looking into a mirror if you know what it means, where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am hurting about this thing. And at that point, you have a choice. Then you can like put the card away and try to forget about it and just keep doing what you were doing. Or you can use it as kind of a tool for healing and be like, I'm going to I'm going to like be kind to myself and look at this pain and sit with it and see if that helps me. If I listen to that message, the pain's trying to send me then can I use that message to inform what decision I decide next, what I make next? It's not making the decision for me. Mm -hmm. It's just helping me, um, you know, look at, look at the different angles of this a little more clearly. And it's funny that you elaborated on it like that because it drives home exactly my point that I was about to make was that I think certain people that feel uncomfortable with tarot readings, the reason they either don't want them or end up being, feeling uncomfortable about it is because they don't want to look at those things mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. been a, some kind of intentional or subconscious repressing of mm-hmm. those things so then when you're literally shown it and then it's resurfaced you know it's like oh I didn't want to yeah. think about that because like who doesn't have pain in their life for example right mm-hmm. like everybody's had pain at some point and and so it's like yeah that like you said that some people really they don't like to look at that even if the, and, and I will say the the traditional tarot decks, the Ten of Swords is a little like disturbing to look at at times, mm-hmm. but not every deck, you know, uses that gory picture. And, um, mm-hmm. and so maybe sometimes if you're reading for like someone who's a little skeptical or a little scared, you choose a deck that um, has maybe slightly different artistic symbols mm-hmm. in it to not freak them out. Yeah, that's one thing I really love about the current landscape too, and the fact that tarot is also on the rise right now Mm -hmm. is that each artist has their own interpretation of that card Mm -hmm. and you can see that displayed throughout the art 
And mm. it's really interesting to look at. Even if you just know nothing about tarot, some of these decks are just literally works of art, including yeah. this one that I have out for us to pull from. But. Sure. Yeah. It's, it looks really cool. Yeah. And again, like with the, if you see like a painful card in the past, because often they are kind of divided into past, present, and then not necessarily this is your future, but maybe even possibilities or considerations to look at. And you see like a card that, you know, represents pain for you, but it's in the past that can be such a relief to see that card, right? So it really just depends on your perspective and how you're looking at it. Like, yeah, that validates that that was really painful for me and I'm putting it behind me and there's this other stuff I can pay attention to now mm-hmm. as I as I heal from it. Yeah, I think it's been like a little over two years now that I've been doing tarot, but I'm much more personally still an intuitive reader mm-hmm. than, because I know like by heart right a good majority of the major arcana which are the first how many 12 that's funny because i'm like blanking 13 Um, i believe it's 21 21 okay i was a little off um um and then the minor i'm just like i still will like look up a meaning you know Mm -hmm. but the deck that i have specifically it's like magic monday i think is the name of it the first one i bought the artwork is so up my alley, like my style that I feel like because of that, I can intuitively read even better. Mm-hmm. Like I'll still use the guidebook, but generally I'll like be talking about the reading that I'm doing in the cards. And then I'll look up what the guidebook says. And it's like a reinforcement of what I just said, mm-hmm. which is cool. But all of that to say, I'm still really learning to where I can just like bust out of my head. Like what does each one mean? So in that sense, I don't, I think that I could be, that it might be different if I knew more, but one of my favorite cards I think is the star. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to ask like what your favorite card is. You know, I used to think I had a favorite card and um, I don't know if I do anymore. I think that it really, it really just depends on what the reading's about. Maybe what the question mm-hmm. is that's mm-hmm. being asked. I think the star is a beautiful card in that, like, almost always, every deck, I almost always love the artwork for the star. Because people connect so much to that for hope and optimism and developing their own um, relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's a part of, you talk about the major arcana, right? It's a journey from 0 to 21, and there's different steps to this journey. and, And the star is a part of the journey where you're really you know, you've got the potential to really come into your own. So mm-hmm. that is a good one. But um, but there's lots of others, I think, that all kind of have, you know, a richness to them that I like. They're all, like, necessary pieces of, of the story that it's telling. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, do you want to pull, like, sure. a card or two for yeah. the general public and see what's up? Absolutely. Um. You're a better shuffler than me. I've seen shuffle (laughs) the cards and then I'll pull it to be a joint. So sorry if you guys have been hearing the crazy sounds happening during this episode. I, um, I seem to have this curse where my upstairs neighbors are just really loud. The last place I lived, my upstairs neighbor flooded my apartment twice and her dogs would bark all day, every day when she was gone for work. Um, and that was for months 
and months and months, probably like the whole last year I lived in St. Pete. Um, and now I got new neighbors. The other ones were not this loud, but I swear to God, I just don't know what they do up there. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to like figure that out for, uh, recording purposes. Yeah. Maybe, neighbors, they, maybe they turned it into a like miniature bowling alley upstairs. Yeah. That's literally what it sounds like. <laughs> and I get moving sounds, but sometimes it's at like times where you know, you're not moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The deck that I'm that we're pulling from right now is called the Surrealist Tarot, and I got it at the Dolly Museum, and it's by Luigi Di Giammarino. I'm so sorry, I just butchered that Italian name. I'm so sorry to my um, Italian Giammarino, maybe <laughs> Luigi, Luigi Di Giammarino. Okay, yeah. So I pulled a few cards here. Um, not in necessarily any order here, just kind of looking at, you know, the general sense of what's happening. Um, so the major arcana card that I picked, again, if we think about that as like the major themes of a story, and then the minor arcana it are like the little details of that plot point, right? Mm-hmm. So we have, we have one major and two minor. So the, the major one is the wheel. It's called the wheel in this deck. In others, it's called the wheel of fortune. And that, that doesn't always mean luck. And it certainly doesn't um, mean, you know, Vanna White on the TV show. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little different than that. Um, and, and it's about things constantly changing and and turning, right? Like the idea of the person I saw in the mirror a minute ago is not the same person now. Um, You can always look at something from a different perspective as you learn and change and grow every day. Mm. Um, The world is always changing. It's always, that's the one absolute. Um, And so it's looking at, you know, what, how do we, how do we go with that change? Like what's a way today? There's different ways that things change different coping strategies you need to deal with the different kinds of changes can be hard to keep up with so the the minor cards both of them came up as knights so knights can be representative of people or just certain qualities knights are are they're moving right they're um they're active they are rushing forward and we have the Knight of Wands and the Knight of Swords. The Knight of Wands is fiery. The Knight of Swords is very cerebral. And they can definitely feed off of each other to create combustion, to create, um, mm-hmm. to do things, right, to make things happen. Um, and so it's saying, you know, for, for just like whoever's listening today, you know, just the audience, it's basically saying just um, find a way that you can take action um, to to adapt to this change, even if it's really challenging. And it might not be a change in your per- personal life. Maybe it's it's stuff you're reading about how the world is changing, right? And, and do you fight against it or do you kind of move forward with it, right? Do you mm-hmm. find a way to tap into your, your intelligence and your fire um, to figure out how you're going to move with that wheel that you're a part of that's always turning... Um, the Knight of Wands can seem a little bit impulsive at times, a little foolhardy, but the opposite end is a lot of warmth and a lot of determination and healthy passion too. Mm. And um, the Knight of Swords, I think sometimes can be um, contributing to hearing bad news, right? Hearing words that you don't want to hear. 
I think in this case, it could be just hearing, hearing any sorts of words, listening to your own thoughts, right? And um, seeing what, what they're saying, just being present with what is happening um, and making decisions from there. Again, you don't have to um, become attached to your thoughts. You don't have to be attached to any bad news that you get. You can step back and kind of what we call diffuse from it. You see it. You see that it's there. You know you don't like it, but you don't have to internalize it, and you don't have to take it as a message about yourself or what is definitely going to happen because we just don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, there are two questions that I always ask guests at the end. One of them I feel like kind of already touched on, but what when what's something that you wish that you knew when you started either tarot or astrology or both? I think I wish I had gotten into the intricacies of birth charts more with astrology a little bit earlier because it's just because it's so fun. I'm like, oh, I was missing out on all this fun all these years. Right. Um, and it's so <laughs> rich with interesting information. Um and with tarot, um, I guess just looking at, um, just just look, reading as many different interpretations of the cards as possible and, and knowing that there's flexibility in that, that it doesn't always have to be so dire, so, so negative sometimes or dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And then what is something that you wish for the general like creative collective for the rest of this year Hmm. 2023 (laughs) yeah for the rest of 2023 um you know i hope that today is actually the first day of mercury in retrograde and we've got venus in retrograde and then jupiter is going to go retrograde soon right so everybody's like ah like so scared like uh, the rest of this year is just going to be kind of nuts especially the next couple months and um and i think i'd wish for them to say well Maybe you can challenge yourself to look away from those stereotypes and um, and just look at it as an encouragement to have more contact with the present moment. I think the more contact you have with the present moment, yes, the buzzword mindfulness, the, the easier it is to get through these retrogrades. I think it's when you're just mindlessly plowing along, not thinking about anything, you know, that it, that you're just a hamster on a wheel, right? That's when the retrogrades can really feel like a big smack in the face. Mm. So I guess I'd wish, you know, for, for the collective to just, if they, if they like to learn about retrogrades, look at the planets that are in the retrogrades and just kind of pay attention, give a little love and compassion to those aspects of your life so that it doesn't feel like a big shock if something if something comes up, you'll already be kind of prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you for talking to me mm-hmm. and for also making the trip over here. Um, do you have anywhere that you want people to find you on the interwebs? Not at this time. I think about making maybe an Instagram account sometimes that talks a little bit about astrology and some other things. Um, but that's something that's still kind of in the in the incubation stages. In the works. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep us updated mm-hmm. so that we can connect But Thank you again, and I will see you guys hopefully now regularly uh, every other week or so. And um, I have a lot of, like, exciting ideas and guests kind of lined up for you guys. I'm starting to make connections here in Atlanta, and I've met some really awesome people at my job. So I'm excited to get the ball rolling again, and I hope to hear from you guys, and I'll see you in a few weeks.